With your mind power, your determination, your instinct, and the experience as well, you can fly very high. Ayrton Senna. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third episode of I Really Love This with Darby Shay. I'm your host, Darby Shay, coming at you live from the Bronx, New York. I'm very excited to be here. It's my first week back in Manhattan College, my sophomore year. Um, And today, unfortunately, it's just me for this episode. Um, Quite honestly, it's the first week back. It's really busy, and I'm too nervous to ask anybody to do an episode with me. But next week, I'm really hoping to have a guest because this is now my maybe hundredth time trying to record this episode. And I just, I freak out halfway through every time and I'm really nervous. Um, it's really hard to get your thoughts all together when it's just you by yourself. And also, I just, it's, it's always a smarter person, someone who's smarter than me and, and more eloquent. And I just, I really like to have my, my smart friend crush, crutch with me. So, um, bear with me today, guys. I also... Um, I'm choosing to do something that I don't think I could ever, that I could do with a, with a guest host because I'm talking about my very, very, very favorite, most treasured thing, book, object, item in the whole world. This is Garth Stein's 2008 novel, The Art of Racing in the Rain. I'm talking about this book because, as I just mentioned, it's my favorite thing in the world, um, I'm going to make this episode really short because I tried to talk about it in detail and tried to give you like a a step-by-step summary of it um, with quotes and everything, but it just got really jumbled. So I'm just going to do a bit of an overview, tell you why I think it's important, read a few quotes, and I hope that that's enough to inspire you to read it and to just give you an idea of what this novel means to me. Um, So this is a story about racing in the rain. Kind of. That's a metaphor, as most titles are of books. It's a book told through the eyes of a dog. This is a dog named Enzo, and he he watches the TV when his owner's at work because his his owner leaves it on for him. This isn't a supernatural book. Nothing really crazy happens. Um, So it's not a fantasy novel. It's it's actually one of the most realistic novels I've ever read in my life, and which is a really big part of why I think it's so important to read. But this dog watched a National Geographic documentary about Mongolians and how they believe in their culture that when a, when a dog has lived enough lives as a dog and he's ready, his next life, he will be reincarnated as a man. So Enzo is an old dog coming to the end of his life and he truly believes that when he comes back, when he's reincarnated, he will be a man. Um, that's super important for the whole book because this dog is pretty wise and it, and it's him pretty much I would say this is like a test run or maybe a test drive ha 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 because it's you know about racing um of Enzo's of his humanity this this is a story told through his eyes and everything that he says is is really it resonates with you as a person there are so many lessons to be learned from this dog about ourselves, and which is why I think it's such a great choice for Stein to have a dog as a narrator. Which it's it's funny because usually I don't like things that are about animals, like or like animal-centered stories, such as like Charlotte's Web, Marley and Me, those kinds of things. I don't I don't connect with them really. Which I care about animals, I really do, 
I'm vegetarian now. That's a new thing since I've been in New York. <laughs> but I just want to put that out there. <laughs> but, um, but I think that's just, it, it just proves how, how really transcendent this book is. It, it, I can't really put it into its own genre. It's, it's a contemporary novel. It's about a real thing that happened. But I just, I can't put it into a box. It's just something I feel everyone should experience because it's a very simple story when you look at it. But there's so many lessons to be learned from this dog and so many things that I, I take with me wherever I go to this day. You know, um, things such as your car goes where your eyes go. This is a story about destiny. So the dog Enzo, he talks about how his owner, Denny, was, was slash is a race car driver uh, when we meet him in the novel, he works at an auto shop. But by the end of the novel, you'll see what happens. Um, and so everything in this book is is a racing metaphor, which is funny also because, I mean, a lot of people aren't that interested in race culture. Not like, you know, color of people race, but um, like literally getting in a race car driving. Um, and it's definitely not something that I'm interested in, but regardless... This dog somehow manages to keep you wanting to turn every single, keep turning the page and not put the book down. Um, I think the first quote I'm going to share with you guys is, um, all right, one of the first things Enzo, I think the first thing Enzo says is gestures, gestures, there's my list, that's embarrassing, are all that I have. As someone who cares so deeply about words, um, it kind of hurts that the actions mean so much more than words do, but it's a fact of life, you know. Um, you can say to somebody, you know, I love you so much and I'll always be there for you, but if your actions don't prove that, then clearly your words didn't have any meaning. Um, it's always what you do rather than what you say, which is um, kind of the first instance of, of Enzo prove, or showing the the human side of him which he's a dog and and one of his biggest struggles throughout the book is the fact that he doesn't have a working a, a tongue that can that can form words to speak to his owner because he sees things that happens but he can't say anything so all he has are his barks and in his little paws with no thumbs which is also a very big frustration for him <laughs> but we use what we what we can to communicate with each other and we always end up communicating you know um we don't need words to show people what we feel. So that's one of the first lessons that you learn in the book, and that's only on page one. Um, so something that happens in the book is Denny watches his his videos of his old races on tape so that he can learn and be better when he goes on the racetrack again. And Enzo sits there next to him and watches Denny watching himself. I think this is an example. I think this is kind of showing that Enzo is a mirror of Denny in a way. And that I think Denny is sort of his human ambassador preparing him for his next life as a man. Um, and that's kind of not related to the themes I'm going to be sharing with you. I'm just kind of showing you some of the really cool, um, stylistic things that Stein does with the book. So moving on to the next thing, this is kind of a real, this is a really weird podcast. Let me just put this out there first. This is a weird one because it is just me. It's not a conversation, really. It's me just sharing this thing and kind of begging you to read a book. So I'm sorry about that. But um, there is so much that this book has to share with people. And I really 
I'm trying my best to get it, to get through to you. And to say, I'm not saying like you guys are hopeless or anything. Jeez, I really need a guest host. I really do. Um, yeah, I just, I really care so deeply about this book and I want, I want to share it with you. Um, so also I'm going to talk now, I'm going to talk about just the racing metaphor. So Denny's talking about racing in the rain and he says you need to drive a car very gently like there are eggshells on your pedals. And he says, you don't want to break them. That's how you drive in the rain. Because, and then there's like some stuff in the middle and I skip to because memory is time folding back in on itself. To remember is to leave the present. In order to reach any kind of success in automobile racing, a driver must never remember. This is very reminiscent of another quote that comes up in the book a lot called, or called, that says, your car goes where your eyes go. This is a book about destiny. It starts with, with um, a myth, that might be true, you know, who knows, um, about dogs coming, being reincarnated as men or, or women. Um, but it's all about destiny and, and you know, like driving in a car, Denny says that when you spin out, if you're looking on out the other side and you're looking at the track, then you're more likely to come out of that spin without crashing and, and totally not being able to drive your car anymore. So if you keep looking ahead and if you, you react to things in life quickly, but responsibly, I think that's the word I'm looking for, then things are going to be easier for you. Um, this, this book is a lot about reacting and handling things that are thrown at us in life that we are never prepared for, things that we can't possibly prepare for, sickness and just, I don't know, the shitty things that happen. I don't, I don't know if I, if I checked that this is explicit. I don't know how old you are. You're probably not that, you're probably not that young. So sorry, just cursed if anyone's offended by that. But, um, yeah, I try to avoid saying, yeah. Um, I'm also just going to talk about Denny in general. Denny is a guy who Enzo paints as a saint, a perfect guy who can do no wrong. And I realized when I was doing the outline for this podcast that unfortunately that's probably not true because Enzo is a dog and he's an unreliable narrator, which is something that Miss Liddell pointed out to me in high school and Dr. Cross taught me more about last year in college. Um, another example of an unreliable narrator would be Holden Caulfield. You know, he's a young kid and he's kind of having a downward mental spiral. And so we can't be certain that everything that happens is exactly how it happens but everything that he says occurs is exactly how it did um which is kind of it's frustrating and it kind of made me sad because I didn't realize that you know Denny might not be perfect but I guess that's part of the lessons that this book keeps teaching me um so Denny is like I said he he's a a race car driver he's a racer at heart he has to do a bunch of other things to, you know, keep his family afloat and, and do what's best for him and his wife and his daughter. Um, so he, through Enzo, is who teaches us the lessons most of the time because everything that happens to him, or everything that happens in the novel is what's happening to him. Although it's a story told by Enzo, it's a story about Denny, and it's a story about life. As everything is, and that sounded really cheesy of me to say, um... Another thing I'm going to point out, or, jeez, I just cut myself off. I'm going to fast forward to some more symbols. Denny's wife is named Eve in the book, 
and I I keep saying I think that's that this is Garth's intention or Garthstein's intention, but I'm telling you now, I know that it was. So Eve, you think of what that word means, Christmas Eve, it's the night before something. Um, I think in this story, Eve is the calm before the storm, which is super cool that, that Stein had put that in there, that little secret or whatever. Um, because when she, her part in the novel is really serving as the turning point in Denny's life. The part that she plays, um, and when her part is over, the, the novel shifts a lot. And I just think that it's really cool that, um, that's the symbol that she, that she is. Also, their daughter's name is Zoe. And this might be a stretch, but I think it's on purpose that the wife and the daughter are given the names that they are given, Eve and Zoe, because they sound a lot when you put them together, like Enzo. So everyone that surrounds Denny is kind of connected, which again, you might be laughing at me right now, but I think, I think I'm onto something. Um, I'm going to talk about racing and the rain again. Um, Enzo says, rain makes your mistakes even worse, and water on the track can make your car handle unpredictably. When something unpredictable happens, you have to react to it. If you're reacting at speed, you're reacting too late, and so you should be afraid. So this is pretty much telling us um, that we have to be ready, and we have to prepare ourselves for the things that are thrown at us in life. And, you know, oftentimes we find ourselves not ready, and then we crash and burn. Not, And I'm not saying for good. Everyone seems to get up off their their butt and get back on their feet again but it helps a lot when you are preparing yourself to react to these things that happen in life when you choose to be a creator of your own destiny um when you put your eyes where you want your car to go you know um (laughs) that was kind of lame so also oh a big symbol in this story that i'm going to talk about because when you read this book because I want you to so badly. Um, I need you to look out for this. In this book, there is a zebra. The zebra is a demon. The zebra is a stuffed animal demon. Which sounds a little weird. But um, we find there's a scene in the book where Enzo is left home alone for a few days because something really bad happens and they have to leave. And... Um, So he's really hungry and he starts to hallucinate and he sees a zebra start to take its its stuffing out and it starts to like taunt Enzo and he's he thinks that this is a demon and he thinks that it's what's wreaking all this havoc on Denny's and Eve's home and bringing all the bad into their lives. So um, I want you to think about zebras and the fact that its colors are black and white. I think... Again, if I'm not completely misled, that Stein chooses to use a zebra as this this symbol for the bad in our lives, the demon that sometimes seems to appear in our lives. Um, Because, you know, it could be an octopus. It could be, you know, like a a stuffed moon or something, but it's, it's a mammal. Like we're mammals, like Enzo's a mammal. It kind of looks like a dog. Zebras have the same shape. <laughs> but also, I sound so stupid. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, it could have been something else. And I also just think, you know, a lot of people want to see things as black and white. A lot of people treat life like everything's black and white. But nothing is. Everything's a gray area. So, I think that zebra, the choice of animal, is very intentional. 
And he comes back throughout the story a lot of times. And I'll get back to that in a little bit. Also, just letting you guys know, I'm trying to keep it shorter this week because I realize most of you don't want to listen to somebody talk for 49 minutes about something you might not even care about. So I'm trying to keep it kind of brief today. So, But thank you for listening if you did, even if you only listened to five minutes. Uh, let's see. What else can I talk to you guys about? All right. Um, here's a quote. It says, if it was anybody's fault, it was mine for being where I could let it happen. Then he's talking about a race that he was in and that he lost. But really, we know as readers, he's not talking about the race. He's talking about um, this, this bad thing that happens that I want to tell you about, but I also want you to read this book, so I'm not going to tell you. Um, what I have written down is shitty things happen, and a lot of the time it seems like it's not happening by our own hand, and it's not our fault. But when you look at it from the outside perspective, you'll find that that was not a place you should have ventured to, figuratively and, and sometimes literally. Your car goes where your eyes go. There are, things I've, there are things I've done in my life and things that have happened to me that I only saw as being caused by someone or something other than myself. I often do this thing where I blame the universe rather than myself, which is not okay. I'm not, I, now I'm learning from this book after reading it a bunch of times. Um, I sometimes think, you know, this didn't work out because the universe is playing a trick on me or I look stupid because someone did this. I was wrong. I know I was wrong. Um, but it's really hard as people to, to accept that we play a part in our, that we, like I, I keep saying, we are the ones who choose our own destiny and, and we have a hand in the things that happen to us. No, we don't choose the really horrible and, and scary things that happen like sickness or, you know, car accidents or even just even smaller things that are just very, you know, they're very scary. But how you deal with it and who and how you act through these things, that is you. That's on you. And, and choosing to deal with them is what uh, is by your own hand. So Denny, like he says, if it was anybody's fault, it was mine for me where I could let it happen. Before this in the novel, he wasn't blaming himself. Well, and or he wasn't owning up to his mistakes or what he chose to do with with these situations he was blaming other people but now as the story progresses and as he's maturing because even when you're really old he's not really old even when you're like a man or a really super adult you can you can keep maturing we're babies so we're always learning um I don't know if you recognize the fact that this is a new segment, but I'm embarrassed. I just paused it because I lost my train of thought. Um, a new quote is, People, like dogs, love repetition. Chasing a ball, going around a track in a race car, sliding down a slide. Because as much as each incident is similar, so it is different. We really love routine in our lives, but uh, which is why we freak out so much when things change. But also, we always find ourselves longing for something more. Or at least I do, and, I, and I, I think most, I think a lot of people do. We always, we often find ourselves getting angry when things change, but then we get really frustrated with routine and, and mundanity? Mundanity? Oh my goodness. I can't think of the word. I think that's what it is. Um, but yeah, so that's another uh, very human thing that I think that, that Enzo has picked up. And it's it's kind of... It's interesting that we as humans, 
are constantly having this battle of wanting more, but wanting things to stay the same or wanting nothing to change ever, but also thinking that we're empty. And it's kind of hard to be a person, but we know, we, you all know that already. Um, here's another thing I think is, is important for you to hear and something that might make you want to read this book. Enzo says, here's why I will be a good person because I listen. I cannot talk. So I listen very well. I will never deflect the course of a conversation with a comment of my own. People, if you pay attention to them, change the direction of one another's conversations constantly. It's like being a passenger in your car who suddenly grabs a steering wheel and turns you down a side street. Um, Now I'm skipping because it's really long and I don't want to make you listen to everything. Learn to listen, I beg of you. Pretend you are a dog like me and listen to other people rather than steal their stories. That's a really hard one for everyone to deal with, whether we want to admit it or not. We often steal each other's thunder, and I'm not, I mean, I'm owning up to this too. Like, I do that. I, I, oh, <laughs> I recently got really, I just I got really mad at myself for, for how much I turned everything on me. And I just, I'm really, that's something that I personally really, really need to work on, is just keeping myself out of it. Like, I don't need to become a part of everything. And I think that's something that, a lot of people need to come to terms with, but I'm owning up to it right now specifically. And I hope maybe if that's, if that's, if you feel a little bit convicted or whatever, um, you think about that too. And how, if you can sit there and you can consider how important something that you feel is to yourself, that's probably how somebody else feels about something else too, or what they're saying or what they're feeling or what they're going through. And it doesn't always have to be about you. And as I, I should be saying this to a mirror because I need to be listening to myself talk right now. Um, it's a really, really important thing to learn and, and to take into consideration. Um, there's also an incident in this book that uh, where Denny's friend washes one of Enzo's stuffed toys that he has had since he was a puppy. And at first, Enzo is totally heartbroken by this, by the fact that it was cleaned. And then he finds out once he gets it and starts playing with it a little bit, that it was actually better once it was cleaned. And he liked it a lot more when it didn't smell, you know, um, there are a lot of things in life that we don't want to see change. And then we find out in the end that it was, it was a lot better that it changed and that things had altered a little bit. You know, sometimes we have to get rid of things in our life or give things up or give people up in our lives. And we don't want to, because we think that this is the best way, the only way to go. But then once you actually do it, you take that leap of faith. It's better than you could have ever imagined or expected it to be. Oh, and I just, I took another pause because I tried to catch up. Um, I'm going to transition. We're shifting gears. This is not a good transition. This is just me changing the subject. I remembered something about Eve. So, zebra's like Satan, I think. The demon zebra that I talked about earlier. And then Eve is causing the... Um, Eve, a reference to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, she's the one who bit the apple, which I don't, I don't even know if that's true. I think that that's blaming women for all that, but that's a whole nother podcast, a whole nother story. Um, but the zebra's like Satan and he shows up when Eve is the one who's going through really, really, really hard times. She gets sick. That's not really a spoiler. She gets very sick. Um, and that's when the zebra shows up when the family's going through that really hard time. Um, so I think the zebra's like Satan taking Eve, like Eve in the Garden of Eden, um, and then causing destruction from there on out. Of course, Eve didn't choose to be sick. She didn't like 
take the bite of the forbidden fruit. But the really hard time kind of, I'm not blaming her in any way. Of course, we don't blame people for being sick, but that's kind of where it stems from. And this is where Denny's ultimate test comes from of who he is as a, as a human and how he's going to deal with it. Um, this is the hardest time ever for Eve as well because she's dying. But, you know, like all those movies show, it's, it's, it's differently hard for those who are watching the loved one, their loved ones die, pretty much, you know, because cancer takes a lot of lives. Yeah, I think I just spoiled it. I'm really sorry. <laughs> but that's, it happens in the first half, of, or like the first like third of the novel. It's not that, it's not that much of a spoiler. So in the winter of this situation that they're going through, it literally happens in winter in the book, which is kind of, you know, it's a, it's intentional. Um, what was I saying? Okay, so they, in the book, Stein talks about how the winter months lasted a really, really long time. And then spring all of a sudden came out of nowhere, and it was a really great, beautiful spring, but no one could experience it, and no one could appreciate it because Eve was dying. Um, and Zoe, was Zoe, Denny's daughter, was with her grandparents too much because they didn't want Denny to have her and because um, they didn't trust him to take care of her. But that's that's a whole in-law thing, and that's that's really the main part of this book, and which is why you should read it and why I'm not going to talk about it so much. Um, but this another thing I wanted to talk about is the fact that this teaches a lot of great lessons on grief, and it, and it shows people dealing with grief in a really real way and how everyone copes with things differently and it's really hard kind of to interact with people that we love when we all deal with things differently and we all have a hard time coping um but it's okay you know it's it hurts so bad to deal with that kind of stuff but we have to do it anyway you know and like I said this is pretty simple it's kind of a an easy concept to grasp but it's really nice and refreshing to just see things happen that are so something that we can we can relate to so closely and that can just be a lesson in and being a person um so now i'm going to turn on a, on a more positive thing we're going to go from grief to life death to life excuse me Eve was supposed to die within eight months, and then there comes a time in the novel where she reaches eight months, and she is not dead. Um, and on that's on page 137 of the abridged version, version, and I wish that I had my real version with me so I could tell you what the real page is, but you'll find it. Um, and Eve says, today is the first day I am not dead, and we're having a party. Enzo goes on to say, and I'm going to try not to cry. It's really not that big, that crazy of a thing of him to say, but it's just really sweet. Um, Enzo says to live every day as if it had been stolen from death. That is how I would like to live, to feel the joy of life as Eve felt the joy of life, to separate oneself from the burden, the angst, the anguish that we all encounter every day, to say, I am alive. I am wonderful. I am, I am. That is something to aspire to. When I am a person, that is how I will live my life. Another thing we've all heard before but for me at least reading it in this novel really it really resonated with me and it's something every time I read this book I I have to stop like I have to walk away from it so much because 
It just gets me so good. Um, please read this book. Um, Enzo then says, I missed Eve so much I couldn't be a human anymore and feel the pain that humans feel. It's another comment on grief. Just the fact that it just sometimes gets to be too much. And it's really, like I said earlier, it's really hard to be a human. And again, it's refreshing to see somebody just admit these things so plainly. Um, next, I'm going to talk about... Hmm. Enzo says hands are the windows to a man's soul, which is funny because, you know, they always say eyes are the windows to a man's soul. But gestures are all that he has. And now I'm going to jump ahead again to a more stylistic thing. So what happens in the book is, as I accidentally spoiled for you before, Eve passes away. Um, There's a funeral. And at the end of that, Stein says they, quote, began the long walk home. Which is a very clear turning point in the novel. And I just wanted to point that out. It's not that important, but I was just, I was really glad that it was so clear that this was going to be the shift in tone again. Um, Yeah, so this is a turning point in the novel. That line is meant to indicate that the Eve chapter is closed, although never forgotten, of course, and he must now get to the finish line. Denny, the father, in case you forgot, is going to get Zoe, his daughter, back because the grandparents are trying to take her from him. But again, I want you to read this book, so I'm not going to talk about it. Um, So as time goes on in this book, Enzo gets arthritis in his hips, and he realizes that he is going to die because, like I said, he's telling the story when he's old, but he's recounting, you know, this story that that happened over years. So when he gets arthritis, he realizes he's going to die. He thinks about how Eve embraced her death and let it take her, but... Although he watched it happen, he considered the foretelling, he, sorry, quote, considered the foretelling of his own end and tried to look away, end quote. Um, Just because we've seen somebody do something successfully or we've admired the way somebody did something, how Enzo admires the way Eve embraced this death that was coming to her and she lived, you know, she lived her best life or whatever, um, when it happens to us, it's really scary. And you don't you don't always do what you think you're going to be able to do. And we're not always as invincible as we think we are. Which is really important to remember as well. And now I'm skipping a lot of big things. So as not to spoil anymore. But I'm going to talk about the zebra again. Because the zebra comes back. Like I said, somewhere the zebra is watching. So there's a time towards the end, where Enzo says, I suddenly realized, the zebra, it is not something outside of us. The zebra is something inside of us, our fears, our own self-destructive nature. The zebra is the worst part of us when we're face to face with our worst times. The demon is us, end quote. So, as he just explained, this demon, it's it's inside of all of us, and it shows... uh, This is kind of the ugliness that comes out when we're really scared and when something really bad happens. And um, it's just important to fight it off, you know. And um, there are just times when we can't really control what we're doing. But like I said, like they say in the book, your car goes where where your eyes eyes go. Jeez. 
I'm embarrassed at how bad that was really, that came out of my mouth just now. Um, but yeah, the zebra is inside of us and it's up to us to fight it off and to choose not to let it take over our lives because it's, you know, it's really easy to let those things get to us and for them to hurt us and, and for that ugly side of us to stay, to stick around for way longer than it needs to. You know, I, I think when bad things happen, your immediate reaction often, I mean, as long as you're not doing anything totally like crazy and bad and illegal, but um, you're not always responsible for how you first react to things that cause such great grief, you know? Um, but how you come back from these things is what really matters, and, and how you finish the race is what matters. There's another symbol I'm going to share with you guys. I think this one is super cool. I didn't think about it until last night at like 2 in the morning. Um, Denny's parents come to visit. And this is their first time meeting his daughter, their granddaughter, ever. And we find out that um, Denny's mother is blind, which is very funny. I mean, no, blindness isn't funny, but it's it's clever that, that Stein used or had his mom be blind because Denny's entire career is based on his eyes. It's based on his sight. You know, it's driving. You need to see the road. Um, when really when his mom, who cannot see, who who can't see the road, uh, when she comes, she's who helps him the most. They uh, they really hurt. His parents really, really help him. You'll see why. Um, and then in the book, Stein also describes his father as looking like a scarecrow. So it's it's most definitely a way of saying that his mom and his dad are watching over him. This is a scarecrow and a blind woman. You know, blind people often seem way, way, way more than we do. But you've heard that before, and I'm not going to be all philosophical, and, and, I, and I know you can figure that out yourself. Um, so I'm coming to the end of the novel, and I hope I didn't spoil too, too much, but I'm going to share these last three things, and I'm going to talk just a little bit more um, these are just a few quotes that I, I think I, I need to share with you guys. I want you to hear. Um, so on page 269, Enzo says, When I return to the world, I will be a man. I will walk among you. I will lick my lips with my small, dexterous tongue. I will shake hands with other men, grasping firmly with my opposable thumbs. And I will teach people all I know. And when I see a man or a woman or a child in trouble, I will extend my hand, both metaphorically and physically. I will offer my hand to him to her, to you, to the world. I will be a good citizen, a good partner in the endeavor of life that we all share. That's just very sweet, and I wanted you to hear that, and I hope that we can all have those same goals as people. Um, and then very close to the end of the novel, we bring back the racing metaphor, and Enzo says, I know this much about racing in the rain. I know it is about balance. It is about anticipation and patience. I know all of the driving skills that are necessary for one to be successful in the rain. But racing in the rain is also about the mind. It is about believing that one's car is merely an extension of one's body. It is about believing that you are not you. You are everything. And everything is you. That's um, kind of a cool way to look at life. Um, and talking, I don't know, just throughout this, I keep getting scared that you're just sitting here thinking, I've heard this before, but I'm telling you, when you read this story about race cars, 
about a dog and about a guy whose life is falling apart and two really mean in-laws, things just make a lot more sense because it's something that happens all the time. It's something that has happened before. It's happened, it may have happened to you, these sorts of things. Um, You lost a parent or you lost a family member or someone tried to take something away from you that that you cared deeply about. Um, And it's really hard to deal with. As I, I, I keep repeating myself, and, and I don't really know how to express it any other way, just seeing yourself, accepting yourself in the world, and then, like Enzo said, believing that you are not you, you are everything, and everything is you, I really think it's, it helps with being, with, with just venturing through life and, and going on this journey. Now I sound like I'm on The Bachelor because I'm saying on the journey of life. Um, surprise, this is my audition for The Bachelorette. Just kidding. Um, just as, as we go through life, it's, it's much easier to become a part of the world community and to accept everything as it is rather than to fight against who you are and who you want or, or try to be something that you're not or just race, you know, to, to, to try and get so quickly to the finish line. I don't think that that's what it's about. It's, you know, racing in the rain. They said earlier in the book, they talk about how sometimes in order to keep a lead, in order to to win a race, the race, the driver has to let somebody, has to yield his lead to another driver and let him go in front so that the guy in front of him can worry about the drivers behind him. And then the guy who let him go in front can then come around towards the end. Um, sometimes you have to hold off. You have to back up and you have to take a step back and slow down and really experience what's going on, really see the world as it is and really look inwards to yourself but also outwards to everything else and be kind of let the two come together. And I might be getting too philosophical with this and I'm also, this is really long now, I'm realizing, I'm so sorry. Um, but I guess I'm going to wrap it up now. I just... There's nothing else in my life that I think about as often as this book that I, that I want to share with every person I care about, like I want to share this book. I've shared this book with everyone I've cared deeply about. Um, I, I, I just, a lot of what I aspire to be and a lot of who I aspire to be has come from this, this story um, about a dog who wants to be a man, who wants to be a person. And it's simple, but it's very fulfilling. And it leaves you feeling wiser than you were before. I know nothing. I'm not wise. I'm like a dog. I I feel like I don't have opposable thumbs and I don't have the means to say what I mean. But also, I think about the fact that my car goes where my eyes go. And we are the ones who write our own destiny and we can choose where our life goes, where our car goes and how we get to the finish line. Maybe you don't finish first. Maybe you, maybe you finish dead last, but as long as you finish, that's what matters. And that was kind of cheesy, but that's really what I feel. And I mean, I just really hope you read this book. 
Um, and I just want to end with something that Enzo says as he's making his final exit in this book. Um, and I think it's something that we all need to say about ourselves all the time. Something that I can't often say to myself. Something I wish that I could and I'm working on it. And I just, I just hope that one day I can and I hope that you can now. Um, first, thank you for listening today. Thank you for listening to my freaking passion piece my 40 minutes of just rambling on about something I like a lot I mean that's pretty much what this show is Um, I hope that you can take something away from this I hope that you're inspired to read this story and I hope that you keep listening and that you tell your friends and that um, you share this link with people because I know this is lame and I know you might be laughing at me or whatever but I don't know I'm I'm passionate about this I'm passionate about kind of everything but um I just, I would like to continue doing this. Um, But thank you, thank you so much for your time. Um, So I will leave you with this. I want you to say this with me, out loud, in your room, in your car, in your house, wherever you're listening with me right now. Ready? Oh, I actually can't because you don't know what I'm going to say. But I'm going to say, I am fine. I am wonderful. I am. I am. Now say it with me. I am fine. I am wonderful. I am. I am.